say this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. Nathan McKinnon! Oh, Captain! My Captain! Do you know the way to San Jose? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio. This week is the 2021 season preview, because we're like two days away from real games. And also, we're going to bring you well, as much information as we can from the Colorado Avalanche's entry for the most secret training camp in the history of the NHL. But before we play the whoosh, i got to introduce the other disembodied voices you're about to hear. Joining us, as always, is Earl. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And joining us, as always, is Jackie Tiger Vixen. How are you? Good, hello everyone. And also joining us is you. Thank you. Let's pick up where we left off last week. Uh, The World Junior Championships wrapped up on Tuesday. Three Avs prospects and Team Canada took their semi-final 5-0 over Russia. And the U.S. pulled out a 4-3 win over Finland, resulting in every North American hockey fan's favorite matchup, Canada versus the U.S. for gold which the U.S. took two to nothing. Alex Newhook had taken a shoulder injury but returned for the game against Russia, and he did okay, just scored on his very first shift. No big deal. Uh, Talk to me about how this tournament concluded and uh, just how much buzz the Avs built up for their top prospects. It was big. I mean, I think that if you look at the four guys that um, ended up going from the Avs prospect stable, uh, you can go through all of them and say something positive about what they got out of the tournament. Um, yeah, Byram absolutely. Was, <clears throat> Byram was a star. I mean, he didn't, I, I don't think he ended up getting defenseman of the tournament, but he, he should have, um, you know, maybe he didn't, he didn't put up the scoring numbers that you probably, you know, would look for in, you know, the best defenseman of the tournament, but the way he controlled the game was like no one else. Um, it was very impressive. And I saw a lot of improvement from Barron. Um, I, I think I, I think he learned a lot, and it's going to be interesting to watch what he takes from the tournament back to Halifax when, if and when they start playing again. Um, Hellison started as you know, a seventh D sort of an afterthought and they ended up playing on the top pairing by the end of the, the tournament. And, you know, I think he turned a lot of heads. I think a lot of people that hadn't really watched him at, at BC, um, they, they, they got to know that he, he's, he's more than just sort of a, a physical shutdown guy. I, he can do a lot of things and, and there's still some questions with him, but I, I think that the, sort of his stereotype has been broken a little bit. And despite Newhook's injury, he came back and looked fantastic and, you know, scoring on his first shift, like you said, against Russia. Um, you know, he was probably the one of the most dangerous offensive players for Canada consistently. Um, probably he and Cousins. And it's it's a shame that he ended up getting injured because I, I think the outcome of the final game might have been different if he was a, 100%. But 
Um, I like to all, play. I, yeah, yeah. All in all, all but... in all, I think they, you know, they all had great tournaments, and I, I think if you're an Avs fan, you're you're pretty stoked. Yeah, it was fun to have all four of them in the last game, and and I agree. All in all, I think everyone should be positive about all four. Baron is probably the tougher one be- just because I think he started better than he finished and uh, the other three finished better than they started. But um, he w- you have to remember he was the guy that many didn't think would even make this team. And then when he did, thought he'd be like a seventh or eighth defenseman. And it was pretty clear he was in the sixth because uh, Canada's coaching staff wasn't dressing the other two defense or, or they were dressed, but they weren't playing. So yeah. it was pretty clear that he was still in the top six and everything. I think some of the better forwards gave him more trouble. I We've talked on this pod before how he kind of tends to have Zadorov issues in the D zone, but he's a young guy. Of course, that doesn't mean that he can't improve. That's just, I wouldn't call him a shutdown guy. Like he's a bigger, bigger body, but he, I think his strengths are more on the offense puck moving uh, things like that. And then um, Newhook, I thought he played well in the final game. Uh, he was a good spark. Pl- He's not a spark plug kind of player, like an energy guy, but he, he brings that pace. He brings quickness. He's able to carry the puck and, and set up chances for himself. So that was something that was needed. But um, yeah, Byron for sure was the star of this tournament. He was, Named Canada's best player in the gold medal game. Um, he, he did everything he could. He, he tried to will that team to, to do something in that game. All the forwards were a no-show. And of course, credit you, the things the USA was doing for that. But one goal, one of those posts that, that wasn't just a missed that ended up could have ended up in the back of the net that didn't uh, that kind of changed the whole game and Byron probably had the best chance in the gold medal game uh shorthanded he uh cut to the front of the net put a backhand shot and it just hit the post and could have been could have been the hero there but um there's so much to be proud of how he played he was just he he looked like a professional playing against kids just it it was everything it wasn't just like the flashy stuff he was great defensively physically leadership everything so it would have been nice to see him win especially wearing the c and lifting that trophy and giving it to his team but um he's he's ready for the next step and if if that's his last foray into junior hockey which please let it be (laughs) um (laughs) then he ended it with an exclamation mark so he was on the name to the all-star team which that's what uh makar and i think just makar timmons was named one of the best three for canada which byram was as well makar was makar was named to the all-star team so was byram and uh like i said best best player for canada in the gold medal game so you can't really ask for more than that. No. So sounds like a mostly a success for the Avs guys. Um, Drew Helson, of course, playing for Team USA. I don't think anybody ever mentions exactly who he was the number one defender for. Um. <laughs> and won the gold medal. Good for him, obviously. <laughs> 
Um, uh, did did they have anybody on any of the other rosters at any point in the tournament? No, no. no. They kind of stopped drafting Europeans last couple drafts. So, so no, you know, weird janky teams to watch. Just the ones that um had a chance to actually win the thing. If you if you have an opportunity to go back and catch some of those uh, those games and hone in on the abs guys those those are the teams to look for is especially canada but also the u.s and uh that means you're going to get to you know actually watch good hockey while you're at it instead of seeing you know what trying to watch a guy and see how he does as he gets beaten by 13 goals or whatever <laughs> which which is funny to to watch some of these uh canadian outlets be like you know there's there's too many teams in this tournament we got to shrink it they're just not on everybody else's level and then as soon as canada loses gold you're like oh has the rest of the world cut up to canada this is awful it's like well pick a lane <laughs> like do you, do you want competition or don't you yeah there's so many layers to that it's it's such an honor for some of these programs to even make it to the the highest level and and some of those games were hard to watch. Some of those scores, certainly. Like, you know, Germany Germany was a team that they were missing half their team, and then they made it to the semifinals, and it was great for them. And it was like the first, or not the semifinals, the quarterfinals. It was like the first time they'd ever made the quarterfinals. And you know, that those stories are great. But then on the other hand, Austria scored one goal the entire tournament. So that's... Not good. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Those was, are the there ones was no where... relegation, so there really wasn't any motivation. But <laughs> it it's just those are the teams that that weren't competitive. But it's you'd get into the philosophical debate about what does this tournament mean and such and such, and that it does really do a lot for those countries and those kids that play in it, even though they they're not competitive. And I think it's fine the way it is. Someone suggested there should be sort of like a little play in, in which it is the Division One A is is the competition to see who moves up. But within those sort of core teams, to maybe do a little bit of a play in once they get there to see who makes it to the top uh, group and plays I mean, I, the top I think teams. If you're Austria, I could if see you're not, that. If if you're Austria and you're not playing the best, and you don't really know how far you reach, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, think it's, it's good fine, getting personally. beat up. And there's always upsets. They, you never know. Like next year, Austria could go in and they could have a huge game and they could beat Canada, you know, just or, or one of the other powers. And that would just be enormous for them, even though they're not, there's no way they're going to win the tournament. But you never know. So I wouldn't take it away from those players yeah. and those countries. Yeah, de- the, definitely. One thing that I took away. One thing that I took away from the tournament is that the U.S. played how Canada should have, and if if they had both played that style, I think the gold medal game would have been really exciting. Um, the U.S. just played very fast the whole time, um, and you know their their one loss they got smoked by Russia, who who I didn't see the game, but I'm guessing they just slowed the game down and were able to to kind of curb their speed, but I mean, the U.S. was just fast. They were first to every puck against Canada. It just the, the, the Canadian team had the speed to play with them, I think. Um, I, I think the U.S. was probably maybe a little bit faster overall. But I, I think just the way that, that Canada played, they, they sort of 
you know, they tried to slow the game down a little bit, and they hadn't really been tested that much in the tournament. And when they came up against the U.S. playing really fast, they just, you know, they, they didn't have the time to, to counter. I kind of see it different because I think one of those chances goes in. It's a completely different game. I think the U.S. had a pretty good 15 minutes, including the, they got their first goal on the shift where Byram got the zone exit. He changed. Drysdale did not change. They got stuck in the zone, and that's how they got scored on. I think the two big problems that Canada had was they were mixing those lines constantly. There's never any real chemistry. Yeah. But then they stuck with what wasn't working with no chemistry on the power right. play. And it wasn't a special teams game. So each team had one power play and neither team scored on it. But if Canada had been able to score on that power play, it would have completely changed the game. So I think overall they played well. and But the U.S. was able to sort of stifle the forwards. But then again, you score one goal and completely different in two to nothing game especially when the u.s pretty much kind of turtled on that lead once they got they it did. yeah they and, did i mean it was total score effects from second period on and canada had finland in their group which that was the team that won the bronze medal so it's not like it's not like they didn't play anybody i mean they they played they beat finland they beat russia those were the two of the teams in the final four. So, I mean, I, I don't like that argument. They didn't play anybody. Then, then you could argue the U S didn't play anybody either. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is they didn't play anyone that played like the U S um, you know, the, the Finns and Russia, from what I saw, they're, they're a lot more defensively oriented. Um, they just, they couldn't score against Canada. <clears throat> um, and the U S was just basically all about scoring and speed. You know, that's I. I just I'd I'd rather see a team play like that than just you know sort of be perimeter oriented and try to rely on skill. I mean, we we see that with the Avs every night, so it's it, it was just tough to watch for me. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too real with the yeah. power play flashbacks. Exactly. Um, just, just want to add one more thing on the uh, on the competitiveness angle. I mean, I, I think anybody who's played, um, who's who's played a sport and has a competitive mindset about it, who has had that experience where you where you're on a team that's fine, and then you play against a team who's actually good, and you get your <laughs> shit handed to you on a plate, and you go, okay, that that's what this game is about, <laughs> and it makes you so much better. Yeah. Just that one little experience. At bringing in these teams that are not on the same level as the North American teams and the Scandinavian teams, it makes everybody better. So. Yeah. And if and what you, that's what you want. You want more hockey nations playing better hockey so that you can have better players making it to the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we've seen sort of the way Switzerland is, has gone from sort of, you know, where Austria basically was this tournament to you know, being a legitimate second tier hockey country. Um, and and I, I think these best on best tournaments are, are what spurred them on there. It's also great for visibility that a lot of these guys will get drafted because they were seen in a world junior tournament. Doing good things against really good players. They would never have an opportunity to play against otherwise. Absolutely. 
So let's turn back now to the big club because training camp is well underway and it's not over. I don't. I'm not sure when the last day of camp is. Tuesday. It, it's Tuesday. the. It's literally the last day before games. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the big question, anyway, is who will be on the final roster at the end of the day? And to that end, as of this recording, the Avs have run the following guys through waivers. Jacob McDonald, Daniel Renouf, Kyle Burrows, Michael Vecchione, TJ Tynan, Mika Salamaki, Jason Magna, and Sheldon Dries. And today, they also listed Kiefer Sherwood. Bowen Byer will join camp when he can. He's coming back from World Junior, but the Avs did not splurge to bring him in privately to avoid quarantine. Which is, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag around the league on who's doing that. Yeah, it would have been nice. He's far from the only one that's quarantined, but, you know, I, I don't know what him sitting around in a hotel for seven days doing nothing is going to do for him. And Bednar's very much uh, like you're with the group, you're getting this. He's just so much about the groups together. Everyone's getting the same information, doing the same things. And I know they're not going to hold it against him because it's literally nothing Byron could have done about it, but... um. It would have been nice for them to make that commitment, but he'll be fine too. He'll he'll get a cup. They have a few days off next week or non-game days next week, so he should be able to get up to speed. Yeah. At that point, and all the guys that they they put on waivers or have cleared waivers so far is basically everybody in uh, signed to an NHL contract that needs to pass through waivers, other than. Um, the locks for the roster. So yeah, we don't have any real good hunches based on those transactions anyway. I mean, we'll get into what some of our hunches are, but um, yeah, they just basically waived all the guys that were not waiver exempt. So, which needed to happen for them to get on the taxi squad. So that doesn't mean that all of them are getting sent to the AHL. It just basically, it could mean that none of them are making the active roster, which maybe there could have been one or two guys that they were thinking about, but they're going to want that flexibility to be able to move guys up and down, especially on non-game days. So we'll see. There's still a lot we don't know about exactly who's going to stick around and who isn't. Yeah, when I, when I was looking at those cuts, I, you just kind of look at the roster and see who's left. And you see, I kind of on the bubble, and you see Shane Bowers, Nick Henry, Martin Cout, Logan O'Connor, Dennis Gilbert, Bowen Byram, and, and none of those guys are waiver eligible, so it's really not an issue. Um, but I want to start with Connor Timmons, who I didn't just name, because Eric Johnson is still ruled unfit, and next to Sam Gerrard in camp has been Connor Timmons. Does that look real? I think so, because that's what they did in the playoffs. When Timmons played, he was paired with Gerrard, so... Yeah, I, I believe that Bednar is seriously going to roll with that if EJ can't make it, which I think at this point is a pretty safe assumption. And we don't know what's wrong with him. It seems like it could be a COVID absence, but then again, we don't know because he he's, hasn't been seen at all. So Bednar well, did say I, everyone was healthy, but we know he doesn't talk to the trainers. And <laughs> I don't. The thing is, is Bednar there. said that he isn't even allowed to come to the rink and like. You know, well, if you're, you're not you're not going to spread yeah. a broken leg. So, <laughs> well, when, when guys are when guys are newly injured, they don't come to the rink. Like, but I'm sure they'd come for training and 
and well rehab. when you're when you're newly injured what i'm saying if you've like you have to be somewhat recovering to even show, start showing could, up he said ej can't come to the rink yet so <laughs> well that that to me says that it's some sort of yeah, thing that it's probably it's probably that. COVID. Either, it's it's <laughs> either COVID or explosive diarrhea, one or the other. Exactly. <laughs> and it is probably what kept Sod and Landeskog and Grubauer out for three days. But they're back. And that's what that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys about. And <clears throat> like, all right, I, I I'm trying to make sort of a, a social spider diagram here. Um, like when would those four guys be together? Like I, you know I. I don't know exactly, you know, what Grubauer does in his off time, but is he, he seems like he probably doesn't socialize that much with the other guys, you know, maybe as much as, as, as some of the, the other fellows on the team. I could um, see Land, them. Landy, I, Landy, I could definitely cool. see. Yeah, I could definitely see Saad hanging with EJ just because, you know, they both have, um, you know, they're both American players that are close in age. And and well, we, of course, everybody knows Gabe and EJ are, are you know really good friends. So, right, it could also you know, be part of the EJ group named that his favorite they... horse after Gabe. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it could also be part of the small groups they were in prior to the official yeah. camp starting. So if but those but, all right, four, but then, but then it goes into so why just those three guys? Right, I I don't know. I don't know. Was it a little group? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's yeah, it's it's question. weird. <laughs> it's but weird. That's that. Where we're fortunate is that this whatever this exposure was happened before camp, and so we don't have the Dallas Stars whose whole season is delayed. We we're, we're not the Columbus Blue Jackets who are missing half their team because of just everybody gets contact traced. If one guy in camp has the Rona, everybody's contact traced. That's all there is to it. The interesting thing about Columbus. It just came out this afternoon that Vancouver is also canceling their practice for, I I believe, today. Well, here's the interesting thing: Pittsburgh canceled yesterday, and everyone was back today. Um, Columbus, they held out half their team one day. Everyone except two were back the next day, and then the next two were back the following day. So. Yeah, I don't get. I don't. I I don't understand how that works. Yeah, right, you can do the instant test, but that's that's like only if you you know like if you test positive with the instant test you have it, but if you test negative it's still a little iffy. Right. Also, and... that, I mean that that may may be what it is. Um, with with some of them is they, they they get the instant test and the PCR test, and but the PCR takes three days. It does not. Take... Oh, it okay. absolutely it does takes not three, take three days, days for normal people. Yeah. Okay. And and that's gonna vary based on your locality, um, and what day of the week it is, and all kinds of nonsense. So, like some like if you get tested on a Monday, you could absolutely have your results back on a Tuesday. If you get okay. tested it on could, a Friday, it's probably gonna be Monday or Tuesday. It could be something like kind of what the NFL did is that if you're not holding practice, it doesn't mean because everyone's infected or everyone's contract traced. It is what they say, quote unquote, an abundance of caution. It's just like, okay, maybe if say one equipment guy tested positive per protocol, you don't necessarily have to say everyone's a contact and shut everyone down, but you just say, you know what? We'll just take one day at home. We'll have everyone's tests come in and then we'll go back and 
and continue on what we were doing. So nope. nobody is at the level of Dallas where they already said, okay, well, they're not going to be able to play games next week as right. far as we know anyway. And then the Avs had there just held three guys out for three days. And then, and, then they and were the Dallas fine. situation brings up an interesting point. Like when, when do we get to the point where if, if you're a team that has a situation like Dallas, um, you either throw down your, you know, your taxi squad uh, or you forfeit. I don't um, know. That's a, that's a good question because having six guys missing should not force forfeits. Right. right. That's the whole point of having, six additional players available teams like, have six guys missing regularly in the regular season yeah right and, and what what's the fewest number it's of 15? players is it i think i want to say it's 15 and then i think you have to have two goaltenders <clears throat> um but the, you know, again, like say say you could only come up with with fourteen players and two goaltenders, or, or fifteen players and one goaltender. Um, you know, what do they do? Do they reschedule? Or do they forfeit? They probably reschedule. Um, probably. Well, yeah. I, they're going to run out of time, and this is a, a point that someone brought up: is that um, uh, the lock, not this. All right, the 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 lockout in two thousand thirteen. Um. You know, they had one game that had to be rescheduled, and they had to add a day onto the season to do that. Now, I'm sure they're 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 probably they building built a in weekend. a bit of a fudge, yeah, a fudge factor in. They built a but weekend I, again. That's yeah that that's going to get eaten up probably pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, we we have um, to keep in mind this is this is Gary Bettman's NHL, and this is a guy who doesn't go by lunch without making a whole decision tree of what what to get if this happens and what to get if that happens. Yeah. So like I absolutely trust there's a there's some kind of contingency that they have at the very yeah. least thought of. Whether it's actually ready to be yeah, put into no place one... or not. Like that's not maybe not necessarily within their control all the time because of venue availability and all kinds of boring stuff like that. But like it it, it is surprising though that they just straight up canceled to begin with. Because right, they they will be able to fill out the appropriate number of bodies to play especially they don't because they haven't even set anyone down yet so you have your full 40 man training camp roster that you should be able to feel the team with but and not only that all right I, I i get that it's you know it's a good thing that dallas doesn't have to forfeit games even though i hate dallas they're um, not in our division the it doesn't teams, matter right but if you're the three teams that dallas is supposed to play in those games you're going to be now wedging games into nooks and crannies in the season, and you might have to play, you know, three and threes and, and things like that. Um, well, I'm from not the sure other sports, that is. what I gather is a forfeit's tough because then that gets into like players not getting paid. Right. So it, no, I mean they absolutely shouldn't the, forfeit like games, resort. but <clears throat> but if that's the last resort because I know in the NFL they didn't have one forfeit because even if. And even though they determined a couple times when they had COVID issues, it's because protocol was broken and they felt like there was negligence, but they still didn't forfeit games because that also meant the the team on the other side of the field, they don't get paid either for a forfeit. Yeah. And there's and TV to think about not and advertising contracts. And it just, it's, it's forfeiting games would be tragic and, and, you know, it, unless there's a hard date that you absolutely have to have games played by, they're just, you know, 
they're going to do everything to, to get the entire 56 games in. And there's my regular reminder that everything about the schedule and time in general is fake. There is no hard deadline except for, you know, contracts without with outside places. But generally, you can pretty much just say, okay, well, this date that we said was going to be the playoffs, it'll add a week to that. Yeah, I do believe the Olympics is sort of a hard in late July when they really want to get it done. It's also about the Olympics, but also they need to be done by then so that they could reasonably have yeah. a normal off season and be ready. I think to it's go more of a best October. case deadline. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, like they could just not play for two weeks during the Olympics if that's in the middle of the playoffs. Like I I see. I, that's why I don't think so. Like I said, they they want to start on time early October for the following season. So I, for I that mean, to happen, things they want. I think well, it's. it's <laughs> I don't. I think I, they care I think more. They about absolutely that. need to get the divisional uh, playoff rounds done by the Olympics. And if they had to come back after the Olympics and play the final four, that could work. Nobody is going to sit around for two weeks. Those, do you think the players are going to sit around for two weeks? No way. Well, if they're the four teams that are playing for the cup, they would. The, there's no way they would do that. It, Especially, also I mean, the they might not have a choice, is what I'm saying. I, I'm just saying, like that's those. You know, those I, I know they want to get every <laughs> three well, Dallas they're... Stars games so they can have a fully normal season start on time. I support this in October. Sacrifice yeah. Dallas Stars games. I would sacrifice <laughs> Dallas Stars games left and right. They're just unwatchable. Well, we don't have to watch them. No, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree that this is something they absolutely would hate to do and would would give up a lot to avoid doing but we'll see yeah you you really may end up in that corner where there's not another option so this yeah. all is uh, uh, I, th- I think it's going to be really interesting when it gets to be like late april and and sort of you know what what we still have to do to complete the season at that point yeah and we're going to we're going to run through the schedule a little bit later in the show um but obviously all of that's going to be totally subject to change based on who gets the SARS where. Um, so yeah. all, all of this is very related to Connor Timmons, of course, which is how we got here somehow. <laughs> it's all EJ's fault, right, EJ? <laughs> EJ's unfit, that's all we know. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it's great that Timmons is getting the shot. And, you know, JB said that he put his injury issues behind him. And I never like, heard we'll they see, talked we'll to when he plays they, they, a few they, NHL games. If he okay. They named the like Frank's him. They named Frank's issues and EJ's issues. And then we knew Gabe's did they nobody ever asked? Say, no, nobody yeah, asked. They, what they never said what, issues what was. was wrong with Timmy. So but and nobody I, asked I hope it, either. Remember, yeah. don't ask, don't tell. I hope it wasn't another concussion. I was I was really hoping that, you know, it was just sort of, you know, some dumb lower body thing and that's just the way it is. Um but you know, regardless, okay. he's healthy now and um for all we know he looks great. Um <laughs> for all we know he looks great. <laughs> and I do think it, I, I do think he's the easy plug and play guy for EJ just because you know, that's EJ's spot with Sam, if he can handle that. Uh, we know the pairs are fluid anyway. Like, Sam's obviously not going to, you know, Sam's going to play a ton of minutes away from Connor, Connor Timmons regardless. But 
Um, yeah, like I'm sure they'll mix in a little bit of Ian Cole there too. So, or or Taves, or you know, I mean, I I could see Timmons playing with you know, th there's only two right-handed defensemen, so um, you know, you can go for it a little bit. Well, it sure sounds like they like the idea of putting Taves with Makar. Yeah, and um, I support that because I saw what that looked like. And you all are going to like it. <laughs> so, I guess we need to go ahead and talk about how that's possibly true. Yes, I went to camp on Wednesday, <laughs> saw the first scrimmage. And apparently it seems like I am the only person that has laid eyes on this team outside of the Avalanche employees. So you're probably wondering, how is that possible? It's closed to the public. Well, Family Sports Center is a public building that is open to the public. They have ice sessions that run before and after the Avs take the ice. There's the golf club. There's a school, apparently. There used to be a little lollipop park, which they sold all that equipment. And there's a restaurant. And the restaurant overlooks the Avalanche ice sheet. And it's a fully public restaurant that's open to the public and I went and I had lunch and I watched the avalanche practice, which anybody is free to do. So I want to make it very clear that the entire time I was separated by a window. So I did not compromise any sort of health and safety protocols. I was never breathing the same air as this team. I was also, I didn't sneak in anywhere. I walked in the door. I said, I'm going to eat at the restaurant. They said, okay. I walked in there. I said, I would like a table. They said, okay. And I sat there. So there is no, nothing that would have compromised any sort of health safety protocol, et cetera. So I just want to make that crystal clear and anybody could do it. <laughs> but they didn't. And nobody has. Um, so. All right. So, so talk about from your view, um, what Taves and McCarr sort of bring as a pair and I, I don't want to tool on Graves here but just sort of what what's going to be different than it was with Graves and McCarr last year I, th I think people will be won't be able to believe that Graves and McCarr are like <laughs> it's <laughs> and like I said I'm not ripping on Graves but Graves is not Taze and I think people will see that pretty quickly like they there was, though. yeah no. <laughs> there was chemistry like even early on, and I know, like, we're talking camp, we're talking, like, controlled scrimmage, whatever. So the thing I didn't really see them was defend heavily. So we'll see about that. But just as far as, like, working off each other, puck movement, you could see the chemistry pretty quick. And Taze is a good skater. You'll notice that right away. And, and he's, like, I want to say I was a little bit surprised about the puck skill. Not that I thought he was bad. But it was like, oh, okay, he can really handle the puck. And then he was giving it to Makar a lot. So then again, this isn't a real game, but it it also matches with some of the comments he made. Like he's even said, like, my job is to get Makar the puck. And and you can kind of see that where we know that maybe Graves took a few too many of the adventures and Makar held back. I think you're going to see McCarr be a little bit more aggressive, carry the puck. But the one thing I want to say is just it's going to work. Like the chemistry is good. It's 
the puck movement, the way they work off each other and, and like their IQ. And I think Taze has even mentioned that too. Like they think the same way they have the same hockey IQ. So I, I think that's going to be that pair pretty set and forget unless something crazy happens. So that's kind of nice that, first of all, they identified a target player that would fit a role like that and that the Islanders just happened to have one they didn't feel like signing. <laughs> right, um, like how lucky did they get when he was available? I wonder how those pretty conversations much, yeah. went. Like, um, oh, he's available. Well, let's crunch some numbers. But yeah, it seems like exactly what they needed because, you know, they were trying Zadorov next to Makar and then that obviously didn't work. And then Graves, and he definitely did an admirable job doing that for most of the season. But it's good 40. that they recognized they needed somebody that really should be there in that role. Yeah, I, I, I want to echo that we're not trying to dump on Graves with this segment. No, um, he's... Because he, he, he's a perfectly fine player. He he likes to shoot the puck, and that that's rad, uh, until you're on the ice with Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Andre Burakovsky, who also all, their whole point is to shoot the puck. So... Right, and well, the good thing with Graves is you know he can do that. If Taze gets injured or they need to shuffle around for some reason... It's great to know that if he has to play up there for a game or a week, you're fine. And and get that's, this. that's what Graves brings. Graves will be shooting the puck instead of Ian Cole, and that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> that, that's a winning proposition. Because Ryan Graves' shot isn't bad. No, not at all. It's, you know? it's well, just that it's Ian not Cole's as good as all those gonna, other names. It's not going right. to get up to 26 points or whatever he had, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that don't matter. Ian, Ian Cole's job is to is to be healthy when the playoffs come and then get really angry. Yeah, and then, yeah, he's or maybe the best just, thing about His Ian role Cole. could be just to sit on a bench and so Byron can play. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Ian, the best thing about Ian Cole is what he can get away with. He right. can get away with what the other teams can't. That, that, that's what I'm talking about with getting really pissed off in the playoffs. Because <laughs> things that like you, you see Nikita Zadorov take a penalty for standing near someone who falls over, and then Ian Cole is just like standing in the crease at the same time, drilling someone repeatedly in the back with a stick, and the ref's like, "It seems fine." <laughs> <clears throat> so, it's... and then I also saw some of Timmons and Gerard together. Uh, they were the other. So they put uh, the game that I saw was they. It was kind of unfair because they put McKinnon's line, which we know is with uh, Burkowski and Miko, and then the uh, the Kadri line on Burgundy, and then they put the others on White, and so and oh, and also Makar, Makar and Taze on Burgundy. It's a little unfair to the <laughs> rest of the team. Good luck. So then. Uh, Gerard and Timmons was the, I guess you'd say, the top pair on the other team in that scrimmage. So they were defending a lot. Um, but that's also kind of when I was like, okay, I think it's going to work because they pretty much looked how they looked in the playoffs. Like, there's some decent playoff of each other there. It's just they were defending more rather than playmaking. So a little bit harder to tell from that. But I think. They'll be more than fine if they start opening night that way. Yeah, I think you have to be a little bit careful who you match that pair against, just because they, I mean, we, we've talked a, a shit ton on the show about how Sam Gerard leverages his body and, and physics and stuff. 
but that that is a pair that could see itself getting overwhelmed by bangier, crashier offense. So that's why I think Cole will probably move up, especially when they take some of those heavy D zone draws, mm-hmm. just because of, like you said, Timmons' inexperience, and also just to make sure he doesn't get clobbered right away again. But I think it'll work. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned the Kadji line, and I wanted to draw attention to this one, too, um, because when, when Gabe Grubauer and Saad came back, they took Gabe and Saad, and they put them on either side of Nazem Kadri and just said, have fun, boys, because that sounds good to me. Yeah, but that wasn't the way it was Wednesday, was it? No, it wasn't. It was Jost and Bowers was on that line with Kadri. And, 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 and Bednar said that Bowers stood out in that scrimmage. I, know, I didn't see any specific play that he made, but... Then again, that the whole Burgundy team was more like driving the puck forward rather than than having to really break out or do any do anything like that. So I didn't see necessarily what stood out, but we know what Bowers he does everything right. Like a coach tells him to play a certain way, and we know that like Bednar loves that stuff. So I couldn't personally speak to it's good. I I, I think that's. It's a it's a good opportunity. I mean, it you know it sucks that Sod and, and Landy had to miss some time, but um, you know otherwise it's it's really difficult in a situation where you only have six practices or whatever. Um, you know, for for some of the guys that are looking at the taxi squad or the AHL to you know show themselves. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great to see, and I know Cout had one practice up on that line too i think the last couple scrimmages they've had cadre with Cout and bowers for is because they're doing a little bit more special teams so like bednar explained that he he splits it up so that they can run power plays so that one unit's together in the other unit because like burakovsky's on the second unit so then that means in these scrimmages he hasn't been on the mckinnon line just because they want to have the units split so it's good that they're all getting a look. I'm not completely sure Burkowski's going to stay on that top line. I think he might switch with Landy and Sod more. But, I mean, that's a great top line to start with. Just having the ability to, to, to switch around like that, depending, depending, based on who's going on one night to the next, like, Bednar can, can just kind of sit there and watch the game and, and tell when... Burakovsky isn't isn't on because he definitely has his moments when he's killing it and definitely has his moments when he's killing me so it's important to tell which one it is and then if 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 it's an off night you can decrease his minutes and not miss very much on your top line which is one hell of a luxury I I, I do just want to say that I'm not trying to get lucid by Jared Bednar's Shane Bowers love this year we've heard this song many times and Shane Bowers has still had no NHL time? Yeah. None. Yeah. So, he has not had his NHL debut. But we'll believe this when we see it. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's great to hear it. and um, But, yeah, it's it, the proof is going to be in the pudding this year, especially with the taxi squad and how you can have guys around and available and, and all that. And, um, you know, he's talked a few times about – he doesn't want guys to sit around that being the competitiveness is like the most important thing and that you should play, play games. And I agree with the overall philosophy because 
I do agree that someone shouldn't sit for like a month or more, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, we've already seen we day one, there was already an unfit to play scare. Like, yeah. Well, and another thing, we don't know exactly what it's going to take as far as calling guys up. Like initially it was supposed to be seven day quarantine. Now it's sort of, it's going to be on a team by team or case by case basis. I would assume that so ridiculous local yeah local laws are gonna have to play into that um but if it's something where they can call basically is it's a seven-day quarantine maybe well uh, that's that's their basis and and i think that's a logical basis you know seven days and four uh negative tests but i really think you need a solid rule for this I I, well, I don't I, think, I think they the I, I, I think teams want it to be less. Um, sure, they want it to be zero days. Right, but if it, like say you you have guys that aren't on the taxi squad, but that haven't been exposed, you know, to other players by not playing games in the AHL or whatever, you know, if you can call them up and and have a a three day quarantine or something like that, um, <clears throat> you know, I. I I get that it's hard to set rules for things that you've never encountered before, so it's not surprising that they're backing off on it. But, um, you know, I, I do think, you know, in a perfect world that they would rotate guys to the taxi squad, but it's just, it's you know, if you have to have seven days um, in between playing in the AHL and then getting on the taxi squad, it just it makes it tough. Which pretty much brings us to the the, the, the big question, which is, who's going to be on the taxi squad? That's a great question. It, it really sounds like Connor Timmons is going to be on the squad squad to start the season, so that's one name we can take out of contention. Yeah. Clears yeah, up some space, to be honest. Was there... I was trying to say something, so I, was I like kind of dead there? Must have been. Um, yeah. Okay, because I... I did want to say a little bit about before we move on. Sorry, was just that um, yeah the cor- about the quarantine that um, I know they said like local teams might be able to get by without it, but the Eagles are going to be traveling commercial. That's the whole reason why Byram has to have a seven day quarantine. It's not because of Colorado law. It's because of the commercial travel. So when you have the Eagles who have to go probably to California for every single damn game and fly commercial, how are you going to avoid a seven-day quarantine? And this Easy. is the team... The guys that you want to call it to the taxi squad don't travel. But then that defeats the entire purpose of saying we need those guys to get in games. Like, this is I, the... When they you profess- can finagle it. I mean, if, they're, <laughs> if they have a, a two-week homestand or something like that, like, you'd figure the Eagles are going to be, like, either home for two weeks or on the road for two weeks at a time. Yeah, but you'd hope uh, that's not the same two weeks that the Avs right. are not. I, I know. Look, it's it's a logistical nightmare, and I don't know how they're going to do it. That's why it's it. The, there are so many unknowns. It's really hard to figure how they're going to play this. Like, obviously, they want to rotate guys through, and the um, the hardest thing is going to be the goaltender, which you know I, I think we're all thinking is Hunter Miska. But it's like, all right, if Miska doesn't play for two, three weeks, or I mean, he's obviously not going to have any games under his belt to start the season if he's on the taxi squad you know when it when do you make the call that you have to 
get Werner in there to switch out so Miska can play. And, you know, how do you manage that? Because it's like you can't have a taxi goalie that just doesn't play all year until you need him really bad after game 39 or something like that. Well, it's tough because you have to carry one. Like, yeah. you have to. You, you're not going right. to have both in the AHL. So I think you just have – you're either – if you're not willing to play either of them in the NHL so they get some games, then I don't know. You're just going to have to suck it up and deal with, with practice. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, I think that's a really interesting point. It makes me think maybe we've been asking the wrong question. We've been asking who's going to be the taxi goalie, and maybe the question is how many taxi goalies will there be? Because any time they get a chance to swap out Miskin and Werner, maybe they do. Yeah, I'm, if they if they if they can switch them out without Werner having to quarantine, I don't um, see how that's possible. Like, like right. I said, it just this is a team that said, "Oh, we're we have the team right up the road." Like <laughs> they didn't swap players out when they were fully free no, but to it, do so. There's no, like, there's no way they're going to let Miska go like a month without playing a game and, and still be cool with him being the third goalie. I mean, how could if, you? If they swap anyone, I could see it be the goalies, but like I said, it's still going to be a logistical problem. I, I don't know. And and like I've also said, it, I'll be shocked if if these guys on the taxi squad, if we're even having that conversation of, oh, well, this guy hasn't played in a month. Like, we they haven't needed him. What are we going to do? Like, come on. They're all, they're all going to get played one way or the other. Yeah, that, that's going to happen with the skaters, for sure. Because yeah. whether it's COVID or not, like, people are going to take injuries. Um, where like where where I'm looking at is if they get an opportunity where they can swap the goalies without a quarantine situation, that's definitely worth considering. Sure, yeah. yeah. If it comes up where it lines up perfectly that both have been home for the required number of days, and you could just do a free swap, then that sure that would be great. So the time for that will be March, and we'll we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um. So the AHL starts in February. Is that right? Yeah, February fifth. Supposedly, they don't have the schedule out yet, but supposedly they've made a lot of decisions and have moved ahead with a lot of their plans. So we'll see. So does that mean the players who are not on the taxi squad just chill? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, think but... they would send them for quote unquote AHL camp. I saw one team out there was going to open their quote-unquote camp like immediately so so yes anybody that doesn't make the taxi squad that's like an ahl player like let's say nick henry like there's absolutely no way he's making the taxi squad what does he do well he's probably gonna have to report to Loveland, and then they just start skating there whether or not they say it's officially open or not but that's what those guys will be doing so yeah, you, i mean you may I, see a I totally the, different the taxi non nick henry's then. well i i i just think i think you know what we see is the second group on the for the abs practices i think that probably stays together um until probably pretty late you know maybe as late as you know february 2nd or 3rd um and then well, i know your question earlier was who is going to be on the taxi squad and we we could make our guesses there um, I think Kiefer Sherwood's a good bet. I would think so too. Kiefer Middleton is not though. 
No. <laughs> his his no, name is he... not Kiefer Middleton, everyone who saw that on Twitter. But he he was unfit because he didn't pass his physical for... That's Keaton Middleton. Yes, yeah, Kiefer sure, that... it's fine. And uh, it's too bad because it sounds like it is some, something he needs to get taken care of medically, so... You know, even though he's an AHL contracted guy, you don't want to hear that. But um, definitely not the situa- same situation as like Landeskog, Sod, Grubauer, EJ. But uh, yeah, it seems like yeah, they like I mean, Sherwood, and and um, it's kind of interesting because you always know that Bednar falls in love with these guys in camp. But he was tagged to start the first practice with the main group, so that was not after any sort of performance on the ice, right? Like, he was there day one. They said he wanted to get a look at him, which... um, Because he's probably got the most experience. Well, I guess Salamaki probably does. They they, they know that Salamaki's terrible. Um, So, kind of looking in Sherwood's background now, he was in the Ducks organization, but he's from Columbus. Oh. Yeah. He went to school in Ohio and grew up in Columbus. Just yep. a little coinky dink there. So we'll, we'll see what they do with Sherwood. But yeah, it seems like I think there's got to be at least one, at least one vet forward and defenseman. Bednar likes Gilbert. I, I saw very little of Gilbert and I said, oh no, Bednar's going to like this guy. <laughs> He he has the love to shoot, big point shot, big dude, you know, big physical dude that shoots like he's a big heavy game. Yeah, but he seems like a decent (laughs) enough skater. You know, he he's basically a younger version of Ian Cole, and I'm like, oh no, he's gonna like this guy. And then Bednar started complimenting him, and it was like, yep. I mean, there is no chance Gilbert's not on the taxi squad. And I mean, I I know I don't think he was a throwing in that trade at all. Yeah, I know. And it, I know it's kind of weird to call him a vet because he's still in the ELC, even though he is older. But for all intents and purposes, he is a guy that got games with the Blackhawks, and they're going to look at him like a veteran. So, yeah, pencil those two vets in. We'll see if we escape any. Doesn't seem like there's been much love for Tynan and Dries. So maybe no. we can finally be done with them. I know he kind of likes Gilbert and. Or not Gilbert Burroughs and McDonald, but those are probably like call up options, not ma- main taxi squad guys to start. So I'm hoping it'll be. Um, so I honestly it- think I think McDonald would be a really good guy to have on the taxi squad. Uh, because he's like Barbario and he can play both positions. I just don't think he has. I, I'll be shocked if they play him as a forward in the NHL. There's way really too many forwards to play first. Way too many. <laughs> like that's no, I'm just great. saying, like he did it, it in it, the it, AHL. But let I me mean, let's get real. We would riot. We, no, we would the, all the taxi riot. squad's going to be playing. They're going to be practicing though. So it's he's a guy that you can put bring into practice and and just be whatever they need to be. I think they like him, but I mean, we still have we're we have limited numbers here. Like, if we assume that EJ is going to start on either ER or Co or IR or <laughs> ER, <laughs> probably that too. COVID <laughs> I- or IR, we'll see how they designate that. COVID R. I think there's supposed to be a separate COVID IR, but we'll see. Then Timmons would be on the 
regular roster. And that's probably it. I think they go with 21 and 20 once EJ gets healthy. Right. So then, but then your numbers go away real quick because if you've got O'Connor, Cout, and Bowers, you're done with forwards. That doesn't even include Sherwood. Then you've got Byram, Gilbert, and then you you don't have room for another defenseman. Then you've also have to have the goalie. So if I think, if nobody else I, is on the regular roster, you, you get to six awfully fast. I mean I think I, I think it's pretty clear that like like Byram is gonna be there, Miska, um maybe you know, unless Werner takes it, but you know, the goalie. Um, yeah, Miska the goalie got the Byram Grubauer was out, so I think we got the clue there. Right. Um, and it just, you know, he, he would probably, you know, Werner needs to play. Um, and, and not that anyone's going to be playing anytime soon, but it just, you, you want Werner in the AHL learning. And that's, that's going to be his hood for most of the year, unless they can switch him out. But, you know, I, I think Miska and, and Byram are, are the two easy ones. I think you're right about Gilbert and Sherwood. Um, so that's 34. So there's four. Um, and that gives them the option if they want, you know, to put two of the guys that are, you know, the, the younger non-waiver guys on there and, um, you know, it's probably forwards. You're probably, probably looking at Cout and one of O'Connor or Bowers. I would imagine it's going to be O'Connor before Bowers because Bowers is one of those names that Bednar likes to always bring up when he's talking about, oh, this guy needs to be playing games, not practicing. Yeah. But right. there's no games. Like, Yeah, there's no games at first, so um, It would be do? nice if they filled up to 23 so that you had, like, let's say, O'Connor on the active well, they roster. Can't, they can't afford to do that. They've literally never done that, even when they could afford it. Even if they want it, like the most they can, the most they can have on the roster is twenty-two. Um, and it just, I, I see them wanting to save cap as much as possible. So I just, I, I see them having either twenty or twenty-plus injured players all season on the roster, and then bringing in the taxi guys for games only. So yeah, then this this becomes a problem because right if. There's O'Connor, Cout, Bowers, and Sherwood. You can really only keep two. And I wouldn't be surprised if they only kept one. No, I think they'll keep three out of those guys. I think they'll be keep... <clears throat> they'll have Miska, Byram, and, and Gilbert as their, their defensemen. So you have three spots left. You have Sherwood and two other guys. If they want to actually fill out the taxi squad to six. You don't have to. But you I don't, know. but they're going to have to. I mean, they just... If you're but not first, carrying... There's... If you're only carrying 20 or 21 in the NHL, you're going to have to have a full taxi squad. We'll see. Right, but before, before yeah, February 5th, there's no reason not to have six guys on your taxi squad because it doesn't cost anything. You know, well, it cost there's any, nothing It doesn't cost do. anyone any games or anything like that, so it's just... You may as well have as many players eligible to play as possible and, and be able to bring them up at five o'clock on a, a moment's notice. And also before you know how this is really gonna go too. Like you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna have uh, some guys available. And and the AHL, I mean, we haven't got full details, but I've heard from some teams they're only gonna play like three different opponents. That's not just that little 
three-team Atlantic division. That three-team division is so funny. That's teams in a real division that are only going to play three opponents. Like, we haven't heard possible that the Eagles are only going to play Tucson and Henderson and play 30 games against two other teams. It's or three other teams if San Jose still has to play in Arizona. You, I could easily see them say, you know, we're going to leave the California teams together, and then these four other teams, and just play only those. I've also heard that some teams are going to opt out of the playoffs, which we know that that that's what I could also say reason for their existence. So they, the Eagles would never opt out, but the the AHL hasn't even determined a any sort of postseason so if like the whole thing gets wiped out then we're pretty much talking about a scrimmage league so when we're talking about oh get these games and get big minutes which i i always say is bullshit anyway there's no such thing as big minutes but it's going to be a scrimmage league it'll be even bullshitter than usual yeah that is not something where you're going to say well I'd rather have these guys practicing with an NHL team, traveling with them, being ready at a moment's notice, or being a seven-day quarantine away in a scrimmage league. No what thing. I could also see is is teams like the Gulls and the Rain, and you know maybe the the Condors and and whatnot, um, the California teams. I could see them saying, "We'll play, but we're not going to Colorado. Well, you can play us here." California. Yeah, they've done that before too. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So anyone that thinks like the AHL is going to be the AHL's not going to be normal either. It's it's it will be good to the extent that it will be existing. Like it's better than sitting on the couch, I guess, for some of these guys, but it is not going to be a place where you want anyone with that could realistically play in the NHL right now to be playing. No, nope, I, I agree. Mean, I wouldn't and say that. I mean, I I think you need competitive games. I I mean, I do think Bednar is right about that, and I do think the games will be competitive. Um, it's just it's, you know, it, it's going to be stupid to try and watch or follow. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think, well, I I just I think standings and points and things like that are probably going to matter less than just sort of you know playing for the win was- that night. How sad would it be to have all these vets playing in the scrimmage league? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what will happen. And the Eagles end up having 12 home games. <laughs> right. So, in- <laughs> so unless something truly bizarre happens and the Avs keep one of Byram or Denny Gelbert on the NHL roster, I think you can, you can pretty much sharpie in Byram, Gilbert, goalie, and Sherwood as the four minimum for the taxi is just who the other one to two or zero to two forwards end up being. Yeah, yeah. or if they keep one forward on that, like say they could keep O'Connor on the active roster, then you then you could maybe do Cow Bowers and Sherwood. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, and also I mean you have to you know I mean if EJ does have the SARS, um, you know that that he'll be. You know, assuming he's not having difficulties with it, which we, you know, we really hope he isn't. Um, but uh, assuming as soon as he gets out of protocol that he's ready to go, you know, then you need a spot on the taxi squad for Timmons as well. So would probably Gilbert goes down. I doubt it. Well, I mean, they can't send Byram down, really. No, 
they they can't do I, that I because think... then we we would take over the Pepsi Center. I think so. <laughs> no, by by if you put Byram in that environment of the joke of what the AHL is going to be, well, that's I'm not even just saying like news. Like before the the Eagles even start practicing, you know, it's like you can't I mean, send Byron, him anywhere. Right? He, yeah, he can't. There's literally nowhere to send him. Right. He's there and he's staying there. That's just basically the way it is. Right. So it's either Gilbert goes down or Timmons goes down or you know, which I could see. You know, I could see them. I could see them cut one of the forwards, like who. Well, between Cout like and three, Bowers, three defensemen well, and one forward. I, mean, I, just, I can, the, the numbers don't work. With how much they love to talk about playing games, Cout and Bowers are absolutely not locked for the taxi squad by any means in any situation. I agree, and that's sad. I agree. Them to be in the skirmish league would be sad. But... It would suck. We we would spend a whole episode yelling about it, but it could happen. <laughs> I mean. I I like this taxi squad because the, they're not going to be able to hide behind all this bullshit. Like we're going to see the truth. We're going to see who they're willing willing hey, they to give a, a commitment to. Promise. They can hide anything. They definitely no, they can, can hide anything. Not, <laughs> not when you have to make public decisions. <laughs> so one last nugget before we look at those real games I mentioned. Uh, Pierre Lebrun dropped a line in The Athletic this week from Gabe Landeskog's agent. And I want to get this right, so here's the exact quote. Gabe is looking forward to staying his whole career with the Avs. Joe Sackick's intention is the very same. We're looking forward to signing long-term when we all know COVID-19 is taking us. So it's good to see peace and understanding between the, between the team and its captain and very good player. Um, I'm not sure with the wacky new season rules when contract extensions are going to become legal, but you can probably look... I think look, they could be. You, you can probably right look now. for that one to come pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, see, that's the snow, but that's the second part of the statement. When we see where COVID's taking us, they want to see how much money is... To me, that sounds like kind of an after-the-season commitment. They want to see how much revenue is generated through this season to see... to to kind of project out. I mean, the cap's not going to go up next year, so it's not based on that. But Or the year after. They're, I think they want to be able to project out a little bit further. So to me, that sounds like a throwaway, like, th- throwdown, like, we're, we're waiting. Because it, it's also silly in a way, because a whole lot's not going to change no. in the next six months. So you you necessarily shouldn't be just waiting for that because you're not, the information you're going to get. It's not going to be super different, but if you want to see how things like how much the league makes and yada yada and where escrow's headed, maybe that's something you're going to wait on. Well, I mean, it also could be if you wait six months, then we have a handle on like, all right, is this vaccine going to work? Are there actually going to be fans in the stands next fall? No. Right. And though there will be more data points like that. Yeah, absolutely. Or will they have fans for playoffs? Things like that. You know, we'll we'll see about some of those things, but I think it was good to get an update. It seems like both sides, we assume so that that it was a very work good working relationship and understanding. But it's nice to read that. Um, I find it interesting. There's been no talk about Grubauer, and he's in the same situation. That's because they hate him. 
And in the same article they talked about Anderson, which I know, of course, leaves that automatically makes it 10 times more important than anyone else. But still, for talking about starting goaltenders that aren't contracted past this season, Grubauer should be in top of that conversation. If they want to keep him. <laughs> so... That's that's another interesting one. I mean, I you know we we've we've talked about Gruby a lot on this show, but it's just I, I don't think any of us are dead set that the Avs are you know really dying to keep him long term. I'm not sure either. <laughs> yeah, he, I... he's he's been up and down enough, and and a lot of that's been injury related enough that I I definitely could understand why they would take a wait and see what happens in this bizarre season attitude about it. Right, like just we've seen guys that see the market generally go to market. Yep, that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think if the Avs you know, could get a better starting goaltender than Grubauer rather than signing Grubauer long-term, I, I think they'd be, you know, they, they'd be highly interested in doing so. I think it's possible, too, that you can also protect Frank in the expansion draft and sign somebody and else. Yeah, spe- yeah speaking of Frank, I, I kind of have this like an open sort of season pro- projections, predictions sort of segment plan to close the show. Uh, but I, I kind of want to jump the gun on that and just say what one of the most interesting storylines this year is going to be to see what Pablo Francois does in net. Um, because he was such, like so strong back there until he took the, you know, the mystery injury in the playoffs and was all of a sudden really garbage because he had the, the mystery injury. So a recency bias has us not necessarily remembering how good he was in the regular season. So I am really, 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 really curious to see how much of a, like how close to the 1920 campaign he can put together this regular season. And if he does that, I mean, maybe you are looking at giving him the starter role going forward. I mean, if he plays like he did in February after Grubauer was injured in the ill-fated Air Force game, um, we don't talk about that game. You know, I, yeah, um, it it does make it a, a tough call because that that I'm not saying that that you'd say like, oh boy, you know, like he's our starter and whatnot. It just makes it like, you know, Gruby's probably not our starter. Um, you know, because if if they're that close, then you know why wouldn't you just keep Frank and then see what happens on the free agency market? And I haven't looked at free agent goalies. Maybe Grubauer is the best bet or or whatever. But <clears throat> um, you know, I think... the abs are the abs are going to be so cash strapped. I just don't I don't see how they can pay a goalie a lot. I feel that way too. They... or anyone else. They really don't like paying go for goalies. I don't. I don't either. So yeah, <laughs> no. if they're not gonna, if they're not going to pay for Grubauer, then they're not going to pay for like big money in free agency. But they could probably find a Grubauer esque guy to bring in. Like I don't think they would just hand it right over to Frank. I think they would look for same type of quality, same type of tandem. Well, the, the, sort the of thing situation. is, if, 
is if your backup is as good as Frank is, that means that your starter doesn't have to be amazing and be able to play 65, 70 games. And I like Frank. I feel like I I definitely defended him through the the playoff debacle. And um, of course he was injured. It was nice to at least get that confirmation. But I think Grubar and Frank are of similar ability. Maybe Grubar has a little bit more talent, but I don't think Frank is a step down at all. And we'll see how each of them play. I think each of them could play very well. I think each of them could struggle, but... I have no yeah. problems if I see Frank and Nett say game one. Definitely no problems. Not. Yeah. And and even going and forward, like with as, with as good as this team looks like it can be on paper for a little while, I mean, you grab grab your barf bags for this one, but look at how many Stanley Cups Chris Osgood won. And yeah. he wasn't any good. Like no. a, a really good goaltender helps you a lot. But if your team is really good, it's not mandatory to have. Like I you know, I've heard that people don't think Jonathan Quick is a very good goalie. Now, I've heard got... that that it's 10 years of our goalie being better than yours for LA. <laughs> now, I like Jonathan Quick because he's from Connecticut, but um, <laughs> other than that, I'm not sure he's, you know, elite. He's fine. Yeah. I don't think he needs 10 years of term. I think if you give a goalie 10 years of term, you have lost the plot. Yeah. Yeah, there's that's there's no way they want to give like a Bobrovsky contract out like eighty million. No way. Just, oh, they, no, they, no, they just can't. <laughs> they they, they, they numerically they cannot totally do won't. it. Yeah. Not now. I mean, well, I guess here's here's another question. Like, say the, goalies. the say the cap goes up by you know this is just a pipe dream. But say the cap goes to ninety million the first year out of COVID. Um. You know, then you're like, okay, now here's some capacity that that probably won't be eaten up by Nate's new contract. And, everything else we have to pay for and yeah you're throwing all that money at nate like <laughs> there's not space right and mccarr and it's like you've got a lot of good players coming up so it's just you know you're you're gonna be top heavy anyway and adding a goalie to your top heaviness is just you know, why and they're the yeah, hardest I see, top heavy i, I could see move. like like you know let's say Annan comes in and and he's just wonderful and throughout his ELC, and you know, let's say he'll probably take a bridge. You know, once he gets to his mid twenties and he's kind of proven himself, like that's the kind of guy like you don't really mind paying a, a decent amount for, because he's a guy you drafted and developed, and he's played with your team. But it's like you know, trading for or buying a free agent goalie. You don't know what you're gonna get. You know, you don't know how much of the stats you're looking at or. or because of who's playing in front of them. I think um, they're super comfortable trading seconds for goalies that they're going to just do yeah. the same thing. I, I think they might take a, a younger guy that's going to become waiver exempt or loses waiver exemption, you know, basically the same situation group hour was in and, and I'm fine with that. The as same long kind as of it, guy, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that as long as it, it be, you know, it's a talented guy that they can play that role. Yeah, I mean, if, if you use um, your second round pick and draft a, a player who becomes an NHL goaltender, you've done a real good job. Yeah. Well, right, exactly. You're jumping ahead, but then look at how many years we had Grubauer. So that that's the other thing is like, yeah, you're using that pick and you're getting somebody that can play in the NHL today, but you're only going to get maybe three years out of that guy too and have to do it all over again. So there's 
pluses and minuses with either approach, but totally for a team that needs to win now, it does make sense that they're just going to keep kind of rolling with that. Just please don't make another trade to get a taxi squad goalie. That's all I ask. If they trade for Michael Hutchinson because he cleared waivers, I'm going to lose my mind. <coughs> so that that's the most interesting storyline for me is does Pelicansos put up the same kind of season? Um, so w- hopefully with less discussion about y'all's, what, what are y'all really looking forward to watching this year? Just in general? Yeah. Wow, what, what, what's a specific thing that you're really interested in? I want to see. Well, I think every, yeah, I think everyone knows the, my answers. I got, yeah, but Byram, I want to see what he could do. I want to see if he stays and, and the other guys, can they, are they finally going to graduate guys like Cout, maybe Bowers? You know, it's. But as I mean, far we... as just NHL excitement, it should be Byram. He sh- he should be able to do things in the NHL despite being 19 years old. But I, were... I think people forget just how damn talented this guy is. Yeah, I mean, it's if you watch any of the WJCs, you're just like, oh my god. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some half the time it feels like this is like Bigra hopes and prayers. Like this guy is legitimate. I think he's on talent par with Makar. I think they're different, but yeah. I don't think we're talking about a different universe of talent here. Not at all. And Byram is already better defensively than Makar. Um, and I can't say that at the NHL level, but it's you know. Looking at what Bo has done defensively just over the past few weeks, that's a lot better than Makar looked at his age. Right, yeah. And defense so being the last that, thing to that's develop, sort of the <clears throat> like usually that's pretty encouraging. Yeah. And it's just that's that's part of Byron being different. He's he's a little more um you know, he's a little more well rounded um at, at his age. So, and I'm not saying that Makar is is bad defensively or or won't be, you know, really good defensively in his NHL career. I mean, he has amazing talent. Um, but it's just, you know, Byram Byram's mindset when he's on the ice is sort of the same no matter where he is and what he's doing. Yeah, he can do so much. It's not just about like offensive plays or whatever and of course you know we'll see his strength in the nhl but he's come a long way in a year and a half since the last time he played a game for the avs and i'm sure they'll ease him in and everything third pair and this and that but a guy that talented just he needs he needs a commitment is what i keep saying he needs the commitment from the organization to let him i mean bednar just i mean he stopped short stopped just short of saying wow about the way Bo looked at the <laughs> tournament. Um, and it's good to see that Bednar was watching the games. I'm sure everybody was, but... Um, but yeah, yeah exactly. Good, good things to, to say about up. all the guys, but it's just, you know, <laughs> obviously, like, you know, I, I think Bo impressed him. I mean, <laughs> he should have. So. Well, he said, like, he he the way he played there is the way how he can help our team. And it's like, yeah, he obviously has to prove that, but that's what he's thinking, yeah. which is... A good thing, and it obviously it, it won't be like, like that right off the bat. Um, but this is a guy. I mean, they put Sam in when he was nineteen years old, straight from the queue. It's like you know, it, Byron will be fine if you make a commitment to him. He'll be fine. To me, the intrigue in the situation is less about 
what he's able to come in and, and what impact he's able to have. Um, it's it's more of how the team finds that place because, like, you've got Sam Gerard, Kale McCarr, Ian Cole, Ryan Graves, Eric Johnson when he's healthy, and a sixth name that has escaped my mind and I don't know why. New um, guy. Taves. Taves. That's yeah. Yeah. It's because he's new. That's why I lost Taves' name. And all of them have cemented NHL jobs. Yeah. Until Byron until Byron yeah. takes it. And so unless so the the intrigue to me here is how do you make this happen, whether it's between injuries, which is, you know, sorry to Connor Timmons, um, when, when Byron's available, but that's probably not gonna be your spot anymore. Um, whether it's through trades, um like they're the abs have some some space to make here. And yeah, it's like you, th- you think about Dater's comment about the Avs, you know, thinking about making a trade because of how well Byram was playing. And, you know, it might have been more that they were jacked on Timmons and they were already thinking Byram is, you know, ready to, to take some time. So they're thinking that, you know, Byram and Timmons can take the place of Ian Cole. I just don't think they do that because if you're talking about depth, you still want yeah, to have fun to dream. Depth. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it doesn't make any sense to trade Ian Cole because he's an easy UFA at the end of the year. He will he will walk and go do whatever else it is he's going to do next. Um, so it, like, it's one less headache for but next trading season. Trading him, you get things back. May I mean, sure, maybe. Um, the, it makes they, it makes more sense trade to me off, to, they wouldn't to trade, trade anybody off. Off the worst team in in the league, like they they just they're not going to trade guys in season. I mean, it's just it's never going to happen. It, I know, no, especially not this season where you're probably I going think, through paper players. I think every your day. hope is using the taxi squad to your advantage and actually resting guys. Like I said, the first week isn't that bad, but then the next three weeks is four games per week. So there's like no no time off whatsoever. So if you're serious about giving guys like Cole and, e- and EJ, if he ever comes back, who knows rest. He should that's be pretty rested now. Hey, and that's we've got a, put... everybody shut the fuck up. We got news. Um, the abs okay. have reassigned 11 players. Kyle Burrow, Sheldon Dries, Nick Henry, Jacob McDonald, Jason Megna, Dan Renouf, Mika Salamaki, Peter Tischke, TJ Tynan, Mike Vecchioni, and Adam Werner have all been reassigned to the Eagles. Okay. okay. So that leaves sure. us who? Everybody else. That's basically who we had on the taxi squad. They're, they're, they probably need to cut one or two more guys. Yeah, there, there's 29 names left. Um, okay. So your 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 bubble names, and I'm not going to include Byram or Timmons in your bubble names here. Your bubble names are Gilbert, Bowers, um, O'Connor, Miska, Miska, Count, 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 um, Sherwood, Sherwood, yeah, yeah, and then Keaton Middleton's on an AHL contract, so, but he's still he in left. this list for some reason, yeah. They can't. They can't take him off the list. But oh, so that's actually twenty eight then. He, he's an injured, unable to perform, so it's it's not a big deal getting getting him off the roster. Well, he's well, a PTO cool. anyway. Yeah, Middleton's an AHL contract, so that doesn't even. Yeah. So so you're. I know, you're but you, remaining... you, you can't abandon people that get injured. 
but it was a PTO. I know. Your remaining taxi area names are Bowen Byram, Dennis Gilbert, Shane Bowers, Connor Timmons once EJ is back, Logan O'Connor, Martin Cout, and Kiefer Sherwood, and Hunter Misko. If if this is who they manage to keep, either whatever they have to do between who's taxi, who's active roster, whatever, I think that's a good mix. I like that they kept all the young guys they're supposed to. A few of the more veteran guys are fine. I'm fine with Miska, so... It, it's literally well, exactly the name Isn't reassigning guys about. the same as putting him on the... Ta- isn't reassigning guys the same as putting him on the taxi squad? No, did no, it literally no, no. say Eagles? Yes. Did it literally say Eagles? Uh, look, I will read... Hang on. <laughs> Twitter did that thing where I click on a tweet, but it updates behind me, so I can't actually see what it was. I, I will read the release to y'all so you can know exactly what we're looking at. The Colorado Avalanche announced on Sunday that 11 players have been reassigned to the Colorado Eagles of the American Hockey League. Okay. Then th- those are all the guys that are not Taxi Squad. I'm not so sure, but I am. I, I mean, I'm not. So, I'm not so sure that's how it works. I think you have to reassign someone to the Eagles to get them on the Taxi Squad. No, I don't think so. No, I really? think you just have to. They just have to go through waivers. They don't, and and they they count for contract purposes as in the AHL, but you don't have to send them to the AHL. Okay. No, I yeah, good. I I agree with Steph that. Okay. No, that's good. If you've I been just, reassigned to the Eagles. Those are. I the didn't guys want to get my hopes up cut. that I much. I the, just being waived wasn't it because anybody right. had yeah. to do that for the taxi. But no, reassigned is reassigned. Like those guys okay. literally are going to Loveland. Well, shout out to the Colorado Avalanche for doing that during the show and not in like nice. thirty minutes from now. <laughs> and proving us right when we were talking about who. Yeah, we were going gonna... the right direction. Stay on the taxi squad, so. I feel smarter. (laughs) (laughs) So with nothing left to stall with, uh, let's talk about the schedule. Colorado opens at 830 Mountain on Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. So sorry for everyone out east. Um, And then they will play them again on Friday at 7 Mountain. And that's the theme for this year's schedule. Every game is at least a two-game series with one exception. Uh, they'll take a trip through California and then come home to finish it up against San Jose before they play a home-and-home with Minnesota, which means four games straight against the stupid wild. Big hype for that. Ugh. The middle of February also sees a four-game set, but heinous. this time it's with the Vegas Golden Knights, and the third game of that set will take place at Lake Tahoe. We talked about that last week on the preseason show. If you want to know how we feel about that game, go get caught up. You don't have much time before games. After that four-game set with Vegas... Colorado play in Arizona and in San Jose. And after that, they have 12 out of 14 games at home through the end of March. The opponents are not nearly as interesting as the fact that it's home games. Sorry. Uh, That's going to be a stretch (laughs) with hopefully a lot of wins, but probably a lot of slow, grindy hockey. Colorado take a break in April. They've got four days off in the middle here. As well as a three-game set with the Blues, plus their only one game, which is also with the Blues, so that's a weird one. And we will wrap the year with four games against San Jose and then a pair in L.A. So that all the home games happen at the same time is the big takeaway here. And that's weird. Yeah, those games in March is if they're ever going to swap. You could maybe make the argument then would be a time, but we'll see. Um, I understand doing it for the road trips, especially you go to California. You can knock two teams out. 
but it's going to be different. The the series, especially those four games in a row, the team's already talked about, like, you almost think of it like a playoff series. You want to you want to take the three out of four instead of the split. You really need to. Yeah. And we'll watch for yeah, that because that Minnesota one will be first. I think that will be just boring as all get out. And the the nice thing is, it, I guess it comes early, and, and we get a bunch of Minnesota games out of the way. And you know, sort of the, what I think of is is my least favorite stretch, um, <clears throat> as far as a short stretch out of the way. I think that you know, with the Vegas four game, it's nice that the the Tahoe game will break it up. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's just, you know, that's going to be something completely different. So, I mean, yeah, it's a four game block, but, um, also Vegas are a good hockey team. That's fun to watch. So it's a lot different. Right. Yeah. That's not going to get monotonous. Um, the sharks for four games at the end, it sounds kind of like a drag. It depends on how good the sharks end up being, which we talked about a little bit last time. Yeah. I know. I I don't think they're going to be very good, but I know you guys had had hoped that that maybe they. Well, someone in that bit. group will be. You know, maybe we're wrong about the sharks, but I don't. I don't have hope. I I just don't think they'll be the basement. Yeah. And and oh I do... yeah, I want them all to be terrible. Why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, you, you can't I, I mean, have I... Colorado win all their games and every other team lose all their games, even though that would be fun. Somebody has to be I mean, it can not happen, the honestly. <laughs> like when Arizona plays San Jose, someone has to win, right? Uh, it's... <laughs> right? <laughs> like surely. Yeah. yeah. God, it's just you imagine LA playing Anaheim four games in a row. No, I, oh. I refuse to. Must see TV, ten thirty at night. Oh, what else would I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> so if if you struggle with sleep disorders. <laughs> Your doctor may prescribe Arizona versus L.A. hockey. I don't know. L.A. may be a, a lot less boring this year. We talked about that, too. Got a, yeah. a, a few interesting names in the mix. Not not enough to be a, a challenger for a playoff spot or anything, but well, enough to be interesting. They handled the abs pretty easily last year. And, that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, one of them was the, was, was the tragedy in Colorado Springs. But um, those games are never easy. They, yeah, the way they played seemed to give the Avs more fit, and and, and Anaheim was also somewhat the same. Yeah, the um, Anaheim game was that one to nothing. Remember they won? I don't yeah. remember any of the others, but that one was one to nothing. It's like, yeah, you should have been able to score more against that terrible team. But yeah, those those teams haven't been easy. And then San Jose was easier for the Avs to beat last year because they just kind of gave up. So yeah, San Jose flopped. But we'll hard. see. But we'll see you how. I think they're the biggest question mark. Just what's their truth between like Anaheim and LA are, are more legit rebuilders and it's going to be more about the kids. Can the kids take a step and make those teams better? But San Jose is just like, what, what's your truth? Are you, you were in the Western conference finals, then you were terrible. Like what, what's the truth in there? And there's probably going to be a lot about goaltending. They still don't have a goalie. No. Yeah, Dubnik and Jones. You'd probably say, "Yeah, I probably wouldn't bet on those guys," but but, but Dubnik has been it. known to rip off a nine thirty five season, so who knows? Yeah, and they they have talent on that team, so no that's defense. the one that I think could be anything. 
Final question. Is this the year that Nathan McKinnon finally gets the Hart Trophy? No. I th- <sighs> I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because I, I even saw it was written on Sportsnet that he feels like it, the it's he's due kind of year where everyone just decides, you know, just give him the damn trophy. It, it'll depend. Like, does McDavid have an amazing year? Like, he's another easy one to give it to. Or to, does someone have, like, a Kucherov kind of year? But I think unless somebody has a really, really good performance where it's it's a no-brainer, McKinnon's in the he's due category. And in a short season like this, it might be just the season to just give it to him. I think Mac's going to suffer from the same thing he suffered for mainly two years ago, but to a, a lesser extent last year. And, and that's that no one's going to ever watch his game. Um, yeah, but everyone know. but see, everyone knows it. They don't need to see it. Like they've seen it. Like he's already, he's already in the, <laughs> and he, he didn't he, get it. <laughs> he's earned one. He's going to get one someday kind of category. No, like they, they saw him take the playoffs and turn them upside down and shake him until their, their lunch money fell out of their pockets last season. They, they they'll see, okay, you know, Another three-point night for Nathan McKinnon. I don't need to go watch and see how dominant that was because I know how dominant that was. <laughs> right, exactly. It just like, depends. I, I, like, I think he's gonna he's gonna have to pick up, you know, either, you know, he, he's gonna have to lead the league in scoring or or goals or something like that. Well, to, it's gonna have to be yeah. close, and you can't have McDavid with like ten more points than him either. But right. I think if I think he's got a decent shot, I think. I think it could be his year. He's 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 with with Connor McDavid in the league as long as McDavid stays healthy. Um, like it, he's really like it's gonna be really hard for him to have like a Leo Oscar situation. He's gonna still have to earn the damn thing. So it, it's yeah. not like he can just sleepwalk into it. Let's, but then, uh, like, make sure that we're not. Year, hmm? In a weird year, the comparisons are gonna be different. So it almost feels like a year where you're just like, okay, just you know, this is the year, just do it now, and then. We can marvel at McDavid's 125 points next year. It's going to be real awkward to yeah, give out yeah. league-wide I, I trophies think... like that with a bunch of teams that never played each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Max score like 100 points this year. That's... <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guarantee you he's going to win a lot of stuff. He scores yeah. points this year. I, I mean, I just I think that, you know, I, I think that's probably – the bar that's going to be set because I, I think a, a lot of people are going to look at the teams he's playing and, and you know just say like all right he's got a stacked team beating up against garbage um you know if he just has his regular awesome year i, I just don't think he'd stand out that much i mean he's still got to play half of his games against minnesota st louis and vegas and not that minnesota's good but they're not garbage Yeah, I I just think the argument is more. I think a lot of people feel he's already earned it, so it's just a matter of when now. Yeah, it, it's it's just a matter of making sure that he doesn't play his way out of it, or you know, something happened to where someone else just takes it, takes, just just runs away with it. Connor I mean, McDavid scores like a goal Norris game, where they kind of give you the lifetime achievement award every once in a while. It kind of um, can be when you're an extremely good player who's been second multiple times. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's the hope. I'm just, you know, I, I'm not going to get, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get my hopes up about it. 
Um, I mean, I'm not running and going to bet on it, no, but I did also see a graphic that I posted that McKinnon now has the second most heart votes in league history without winning one. <laughs> He's behind Jerome McGinley, right? Uh, I think it's Brodeur. Was it Brodeur was number one? McGinley was one. on Aguila was on the list, but yeah, he already is the second most heart votes without winning one. So I think uh, if, if he's already on their mind, it's just a matter of when. So mm-hmm. could be this year, could yeah. could be another year. So we'll see. All but right. yeah, as far as like, say, Bacar winning the Norris or something, you're right. I think that not ever being able to watch him play is going to probably work against him. Yeah, that that's right. one that's going to take a little bit more. Right, know, and also he's going to have to build up towards it. And and I think if Mac does win a heart or something like that, it's it's a, a big part of that is going to be Miko going back to the way he was two years ago. Um, I think Miko was good last year. It's just he, he was, was, but he just the you know it wasn't for with long his injuries. One, yeah, he just wasn't around enough, and and but I don't think. Know, his- his play slipped. I thought he was really good in the playoffs. It's just yeah, Miko's such a weird case for me. Like he he makes so many incredible plays and and puts up points on them, and then will just like flub in an open net. Like <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, or just stand there for an entire power play. <laughs> <laughs> if he wasn't supposed to be doing that, they'd have taken him off by now. But he's who's good on the power. Like if I had to pick any one of those guys, Miko's the best power play player. Yes, I, over yeah. McKinnon and Makar. I, I, yeah, I, it's so tough to tell. Just you know, they're so lost out there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I mean, honestly, yeah, like if you're looking at like who who is the best power play guy on the Avs right now, like for me, it's Kadri. Um, yeah, honestly, I think he's effective, but no, I, he does not make as many as many plays as Miko. I think Miko has the statistics, like the points per hour, whatever the right. But Kadri had like he had like four power play goals in the playoffs. Out of, out of, yeah, yeah, scored, like, like all what, against six? Arizona. Yeah, but you know. No, he's effective in his role for sure, but he's not the best power play player. Well, all right, let's say he's he's the most effective. I I, I agree that the way Miko thinks the game is probably the best. If um, they put him behind the net, guys. then yeah, he would be. Yeah, if he felt free to roam a little bit. I think he's got the stats. That's what I'm saying. Like the points per hour. Yeah, and yeah all probably that so. Crap, but so anyway, all this has been to say to get. Super, super hype for this season. Colorado look look poised to make a really serious run at things, um, you know, barring bad luck. We'll we'll see what happens, and and we're going to get going. I mean, it it feels like the season is coming out of nowhere because nobody's been allowed to you know watch camp except for Jackie. So it's just like <laughs> it, it's like it's this big secret they're going to suddenly unveil on us at eight thirty on Wednesday and say surprise. It's 8.30 right. Mountain on Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. That is on national TV. It's on Sportsnet. Um, Friday is 7 o'clock against the Blues again. And then yeah. because that's two whole games, um, we're going to focus our coverage efforts at um, the Burgundy Review on more writing kinds of stuff. The The podcast we're gonna, is going to take next week off. We'll, we'll return um, on Saturday slash Sunday of next week. Um, after the after Colorado play in LA on Tuesday and Thursday, and in Anaheim on Friday. 
So hopefully by then, Byram has played a game. That's going to be the thing. Will Byram have played a game by the time we have our next podcast? Prediction, yes. I hope so. Prediction, not hope. Yes, I'll say yes, because he needs to get in during that road trip. With a lot of games, okay, bad Earl. teams. The rules of broadcasting say you have to say no. I, sorry. I. <clears throat> yeah, I. I don't know. I'm really unsure about how they're going to play this. Because I could totally see Bednar just throwing him in there. And I could totally see Bednar saying, we're, we're going to wait until he's ready. Um. But by not playing, he's so not I'm, really going to get more ready. Like, I, I totally get why he's not going to play, like, Friday or, like, the first game next week. I don't think he'd be ready then, but... Yeah. Like, a full week of... Because they're definitely going to practice before they go to California, and then I think they have that day off in between the LA games. They'll probably practice that day. So I think those two days will give him enough time to get ready. Yeah. But we'll see. If not, you know what we'll be ranting about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that SoCal trip's gonna be four games in six days with travel with with a back to back with travel in there. So we'll we'll see how much of the roster turns over in the middle of that just to kind of keep guys fresh. Not really something the Avalanche usually do, but with this season being different, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it'll be different. Maybe they'll do something different for a different season. And if that happens, you know, you can find out here. So like I said, we will be back on um, the evening of the 23rd, morning of the 24th. We're going to take next week off and and focus on written coverage of the opening of the season. Um, Until that point, you can catch us on all the places that you can get podcasts. SoundCloud is where we're hosted, but it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on whatever. It uses RSS feeds. You can find us there. We will see you next time. Keep your head up to the dirty areas and get ready for some real NHL hockey to this boom. Come out of nowhere. But one thing I Jackie, I wanted to ask you about Jared Bednar's comments on Evan's question about Sam. Were you just like grinning the whole time? <laughs> well Of course, I love any sort of Sam hype. I mean, that's and by the way, I got my Sam reverse retro jersey ready for the start of the season. Nice. But but the general perception of him is that he's good, but he sometimes does or does not get mentioned with with the I mean, other good defensemen they have. All the people that reply to like the Zadorov trade tweets that you know the team has no grit anymore and yada yada yada, and, and the defense is small and weak and and they're going to be terrible. And just you listen to the way that that Bednar talks about him, especially, you know, it's like playing bigger than his size. And Oh, well, Bednar knows what's up, but I see the time on ice. Like, I watch Sam like a hawk. I know how he's used. It just, it drives me insane when people think that, like, Sam's not going to get protected in the expansion draft or that he's expendable. Now, you, you could talk about, like, what is true untouchable. Like, you know, he's not untouchable like McKinnon untouchable. But, I mean, it would have to be drop the phone lol kind of offer to move sam and people don't seem to get that they think that like he's part of the list where if byram's really good then maybe we could just get rid of sam and it's like no it doesn't work like that like they have played every regular season game 
with him for three straight years, you don't know what you would miss if he was not playing. And that's even with McCarr and with a lot of the other improvements they've made. And people don't get it. But and his contract is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like you don't trade a contract like that, you know? And some people even say that. Well, they could free up five million by moving Sam Gerard, and it's like, okay, you just <laughs> you don't you don't you don't get it at all. So, but yeah, he said he plays the most minutes. He plays against top competition. He plays in every single situation that he plays on special teams. Look, they didn't take him off power play too. We'll see how this two D power play works, which I know I've pounded the table for a lot, but they didn't take him off the power play. Like everyone was like, okay, he's done with the power play. And then now he might start penalty killing more. It's like, duh, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bednar knows what's up. So that's, I guess that's all that matters, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I just, so, I, you know, I, I thought with all our hype dis- discussions on Bo and in the car and in Taze that we, we still need to remember that, you know, yeah. Sam is the backbone. Yeah, they, they still need him. Yeah. yeah. Sam is rad and all these great dudes can go back to eating rocks. Sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I 